Holy and gracious God, we pray that you might speak to us anew during this time when we remember so many of our family's traditions and traditions throughout the ages. That as we uh, think about the rituals that you have for us, that you might also meet us in them in new and surprising ways. That we might find your hope, your love, your peace, and your joy. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so uh, this morning, one of the things that we um, did is Kwena has the day off. Kwena is in the back and doing uh, the AV time. And so Stephanie's back there. So we thank Stephanie. She's our admin and marketing. And one of the things you mentioned is that it's like riding a bike, right? Because we, back in COVID time, when it was just like five of us could be in the sanctuary and we were doing online streaming, it was like the one-man band between Stephanie, I, and a couple musicians trying to get our online uh, worship service going. So she remembers that time of doing the presentations and stuff. And we know that phrase. It's like riding a bike. And she didn't even know that my first sermon story was about riding a bike. I have a friend that uh, turned 40 this year. It's the year of a lot of my friends turning 40. I'm turning 40 this year. And so one of the things that my friend Kyle decided he wanted to do, Kyle uh, does maintenance up at Camp Mokalaia. So if uh, our Keiki, you were up to Camp Mokalaia, you know Kyle was playing the guitar and leading the worship nights and he was active and um, out paddle boarding and doing all the things. But he really wanted to bike 40 miles for his 40th birthday. But he realized that biking 40 miles in, on Oahu is probably not the safest thing to do by yourself, right? So Ashley voluntold me to do it with him. Um, so she volunteered me and told me that I needed to go with him. And so I had to break out my old bike. And I, friends, Stella is over here and she is pushing seven years old and I have not ridden that road bike since Stella was born. So that was like the time frame that was going on. I had to get it tuned up and ready to go on my bike. And sure enough, the adage worked. It was like riding a bike. And we made it, although some of my bike parts started falling apart along our 40-mile ride, but we made it from Shark's Cove all the way to Kailua, and, and it worked out really well, and I'm not too sore. That's why I'm sitting, not standing today. No, I'm just joking. But, um, I, but one of the things that had happened when we were there is that we were riding the bike, and I was thinking about like what's sore, and the most sore part about it was my neck, right? Because I'm not used to like going like this for three hours straight, and Hawaii roads are not smooth all the way from the North Shore down here, if you didn't know. And so I'm like going like this and my butt hat like is sore and my neck is sore. My legs are fine and it's my butt and neck. And I asked Kyle, I was like, Kyle, are you sore? And he's like, no, not at all. And I'm like, of course not, Kyle. You're like so like fit and you like are out paddle boarding all the time. And then I go, but how about right here? And we were driving downtown to Ala Moana yesterday and I, he was in front of me and I touch his neck right here. And he goes, oh, that really hurts. As he was was rubbing the other side, right? He's, and he's like, oh yeah, my neck really hurts. And I used that example because sometimes when we move forward, it's so easy for us, even after like riding 40 miles, that we don't even recognize our bodies. You know, have you ever had that? And you're like, all of a sudden you wake up the next day and you're like, what did I do, right? Like, what was, what was that movement? That I, yeah, I mean, started to hit me after I turned 35. It was like, all of a sudden, you're like, my side hurts. And it's like, oh, it's because I lifted, like, that thing, like, up into the shelf. And you're, like, sore for more than just, like, a day. So, Keiki, when you get hurt and you bounce right back up, it slows down later on. And that's why professional athletes, I think, stop doing professional sports, because it just takes so long to recover. And I think that sometimes part of our problem is that even as a kid and as we grow up, we just 
don't slow down enough to even pay attention to our bodies. And all of a sudden, it's like you start to realize something is building because we're, we're not a people that wakes up in the morning like my uh, Japanese friends and does their morning stretches before they go, right? We just kind of go and we move. We're Westerners, after all. Our, uh, our like, connecting thing is Descartes, I think, therefore I am, right? Our brains lead us and guide us into all that we do. And if we think that we want to do something, all we feel like we have to do is choose it, and it wills itself into being. And when you're in your 20s, and I know we got some 20-year-olds there, you might be able to do that, will yourself into being. But I tell you what, I did not train for the marathon like I should have, and it did not go as well as it did when I was in my 20s and I didn't train for the marathon. I was sore for quite some time afterwards. Our bodies matter, too, for us. We, we in the church have lived in this like weird paradoxical world where it's often this like spiritual body dualism where you have our soul is going to go to heaven and our bodies, well, we're not sure what's going to happen to those. But, you know, it's very different. You know, when we think of the spiritual things as always this immaterial stuff, right? You think of the Holy Spirit or of heaven or of God. We often especially in the West, just think of this moment that we leave our bodies. Well, at Pub Theology last week, when we were talking around the table, one of the questions was, what happens to our bodies, you know, while we wait for Jesus to come again? And if you've never thought about that, we're not going to go into it right now, but it's a legitimate question because what does happen? You know, if we go up into heaven or like what's with our bodies? Because there's lots of scripture that talks about our bodies being important. In fact, the people of Israel believed that in the resurrection of the Lord, our bodies would be raised physically. And, you know, some different conflict, like different uh, Jews believe different things, like so the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you might have heard that, well, they had differing opinions about what happened to your bodies afterwards. The Romans, they did not like thinking of like the bodies being raised, so it was like kind of like zombie folklore to them. And in the book of Corinthians, the apostle Paul, who was Jewish and Roman, is doing this dance between how does he bring together these two very different perspectives on our bodies. Because one side, the Jewish side, thinks they're really important and valuable, and then the Romans believe that you just leave it behind and we, we go on to the next life. And Paul's trying to do some work together. And like I said, when now our heritage is to think of faith as this mind-heart experience. And I went to divinity school at Duke, and I took a class called Christian Spirituality, and we explored different ways in which Christians have experienced God, spirituality, throughout their devotional life. And our professor gave us each, like, an assignment. So a group was assigned to, like, worship services, and a group was assigned to scripture and prayer. And I, my group got given embodiment as a spiritual practice. I mean, how many of you heard of embodiment as a spiritual practice? You're like, what are you even talking about? But it's a practice of learning to be in our bodies and finding God there. And you all might be like, what sort of new agey stuff are they teaching you at Duke Seminary, guys, right? 
And also, we find ourselves in the 12 days of what? Christmas. And what is the theological thrust of Christmas? God becoming a body. God becoming a body. The earliest ink spilt over the conflict of what it means to be Christian surrounded the very notion of God becoming a body. Like I said, the the Greco-Roman world thought it was weird and grotesque because, you know, God would never want to become substance. That's not like good. It's like it's material is bad. You know, I used the analogy at Pub Theology when we were talking about this of like, you know, you go to McDonald's or anywhere, in fact, and you get the picture of what you're ordering and then they serve you that wrapped thing and you unwrap it and it looks nothing like what it's supposed to, right? It is substandard from what we imagine is going to be handed to us. That's how they viewed all material world. And so bodies to them weren't important, but God chose to become a body. And in doing that, there's something valuable that comes to our bodies, despite the aches that we get, despite the ailments, perhaps learning to not escape our body is part of how we might come to know God more. And part of it is certainly by slowing down. That if you slow down and perhaps you stretch, prayerful stretches, are opportunities to think about where you've been in the week and what you've done and mistakes you made. No joke. I had my sermon prepared today, but I woke up this morning and I'm like, why does my head hurt right here? And in the shower, I'm like washing my hair. My head hurts. And I totally forgot that yesterday I was like putting some soda waters into the fridge. And sure enough, I hit my head on the top door because I left the freezer open, right? Like, it's like you don't even think about what's happened to your body. And you don't think about the mistakes that have gone with it or the rejoicing that's happened in it. But what we do here and now is of such value to the world around us. We talk about being the love of God in the world, but if we don't think about our physical health and what we're doing in our bodies, how do we be that love in the world? So if you have a New Year's resolution to be fit, you can say, Pastor Brian told me it was a spiritual exercise of, what was that word? Embodiments, right? Of learning to be. But, but seriously, prayer at work has been a way in which Christians have prayed throughout their lives. And so if you are, in fact, taking on exercise or routine for your New Year's resolution, I'll make this invitation to you. Just add on the faith side of it. So when you take your walk every day for 15 minutes, add on praying during the walk. Or when you work out in the gym and you lift your weights, well, that's a great time to perhaps ponder how God loves you even if you can't lose those 10 pounds. And on top of that, one of the things that we find in, that we do that we often kind of dismiss is this idea of routine as well. That this, that it's not just about what we do, but it's about what we do regularly in our bodies. 
Like I said earlier, you know, when you start to do something wrong over time and you don't notice it and you don't slow down, all of a sudden you find yourself like six months later and the doctor tells you you got plantar fasciitis or some fancy old person thing that you get now that you get old, right? And, and they say, like, you have a knee ailment or you have a hip or it all began because you didn't correct this months and years ago. We are in a season of ritual, are we not? where some of us have done the same thing over and over every Christmas Eve or every Christmas Day, even if we've moved from Japan to Korea to Germany to here, we do the Christmas baking in this particular way. Or here at our church, we go outside on the lawn, and it hasn't rained since I've been a pastor here, and we go outside on the lawn and we sing Silent Night and Joy to the World. And the traditions that we do also help remind us of who God is and who we are. And sometimes we just do them lackadaisically, but it wasn't until this year when I was asking my kids, like, what do we do on Christmas, right? And part of me is trying to remember what we do on Christmas, but it's also like it is sealed in their minds. What do we do on Christmas? Like, let me ask you, from ages when you can remember to age 10, what did you do Christmas Day? Now close your eyes and imagine and it will take you back to the things that you did that day every year, right? Every year, we would go to my grandparents' house, and we would have the birthday cake for Jesus, and we would sing happy birthday, and it was my grandparents' extended family, and we would run around, and that's what we would do every year. And then every Christmas Eve, my grandma thought it was just the funniest thing to get us all together and give us the jingle bells, and we'd just all be shaking our jingle bells, singing jingle bells, and we have videos of it but they get sealed in your memories. I wonder how many of the rituals that we have connect us to the divine intentionally. And the thing is, is that every year, did you know that you have the opportunity to tweak those rituals just enough to help us or help our keiki or grandkids connect to God in a new way? Just by adding a little bit of a twist to that ritual can change everything. And then on top of that, some of us are still in this time of, of rituals, but one of the things that having moved for different places is even though we do the same thing year after year, my prayer is that never should our New Year's traditions, our Christmas traditions, be exclusive and not able to welcome others in. We did the first thing that I have done in years on a Thanksgiving. If we weren't with Ashley's parents, I'm always in the kitchen. I love to cook, and I'm making everything from scratch. And this year, we decided to try a new tradition. We were supposed to go to California, visit family. It didn't work out. My dog got sick. I'll tell you about it. She's doing great now, somehow surviving. But Brittany invited us to our house because she found out that we were, weren't there. And, and I went to someone's house and I didn't cook. And it was amazing the difference it was. I mean, she cooked. And it was great. But it was just like a whole new world. But had she, and, and I got many other invitations from church members that knew that, so thank you for the invitations. But had someone not invited and broken their tradition of being with family, we would have not had our turkey ready because we canceled our plans last minute. We would have not been able to do the things that we have done always. And then we would be left out of a time to remember 
So I pray that our traditions won't be so solid that I wouldn't be able to say, hey, come along with. Because there's always someone that is remembering those times that they grew up. And although some of us remember them as fond, others remember them with a sense of loss or a sense of longing. But it's in the kind of remembrance of them and when you're welcomed in that you can find some sense of newness and some sense of hope. So I have, I have two takeaways for us today. Is that God calls us to be in our bodies. And what we do in them does in fact matter. Think about, pray about where you are and how God is connecting to your body. And during this time when we look back on the year past and on the things that we have, and we still will have some rituals tonight and tomorrow that we'll celebrate together. Let us think through how we might remember God in those rituals. One of the things you may not know is we have the tapa behind us, and it's a beautiful tapestry of, uh, that the Tongan congregation made. But they'll be gathering for the next week together in New Year's. The Tongans gather and they do a watch night service on Christmas Eve, or on New Year's Eve, and then they also celebrate into the new year all the things that God might do in the year to come. And others, especially in the Black South tradition, they have the watch night services as well. So you can use the traditions and add on ways in which we might find God anew. And let us always, always, always leave room for others to come in and be part of all that God is doing in our homes, in our community, in our worlds around us. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for making us in your image, for the bodies that you have chosen, despite their ailments and despite their failings at times. We pray that throughout this new year as we move into the year, we might be more cognizant of the ways that you are with us here and now. And as we remember the pain in our shoulders and all the time we crouched over the computer instead of walking with friends or on the beach or whatever it is. Help us find you more here and now. And as we look at our traditions throughout the year, let's adapt them, let's change them just enough that you're always present and that we're always leaving room for more. So bless us in our continued singing and our remembering of the songs of old. Amen. Amen.